another episode of Black Boy Joy. You're joined here with me, Ainsley. And me, Kieran. Yes, it's um, another actually quite warm, nice day in sunny London for me. Apparently it's not so, not so sunny for UK, but... No. Um, we, we get loads of sunlight up here, but today is just uh, overcast. It's been windy and cold, um, but it's all right, though. I think it's going to be better in a few days' time. All, like, the whole day now, for me, has been glorious, like been hot like 20 like 22 degrees like everyone wearing shorts and stuff like okay, now, in. <laughs> <laughs> now that like we're still technically like well we're still locked down but like we allowed more freedom like the parks mm-hmm. are packed 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 out for the people and like Nobody, nobody's taking any social distancing thing, man. Like, no, it's um, um, see, when when um, Boris announced his like, well, reduced lockdown measures last week, mm-hmm. I think we knew it was pretty much them just opening the floodgates because I th- people weren't adhering to stuff beforehand. And I've I've been leaving the house maybe once a week, but I've still been taking liberties here and there. Like, I've met up with a few people and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's a risk I've taken just because I live alone and I'm not, I'm not going to pass it on to anyone uh, for the time being because I'm just at home by myself, don't have any contact with anyone. Um, but I think people are getting fed up. Yeah. And I just... Uh, I think the lockdown's kind of come to... It's kind of, kind of expired in a way. I feel bad for saying yeah. it, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, I just want to be able to go out and do whatever I want without, like... I feel, I feel like constant pressure, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this feeling that like, I just need to be at home. And I'm so over it now. I just want things to go back to normal. I just want to be able to, to go into central London or just do, do the things I would, would have done normally. Like, it just, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I saw today, um, I just happened to, I was flicking past BBC News and um, what's her name? Michelle, I can't remember the name, there's a BBC journalist in the studio. And she's talking to Lord Sumption, who is, um, used to be a Supreme Court um, judge. Uh-huh. And he was kind of filling out the role of cantankerous old man, but he was, he was basically just saying that it's ridiculous now that people should have the choice whether they want to lock down or not. If you're vulnerable and in one of those groups that could be exposed to the virus, that you should, you have the liberty to self-isolate, you can make that choice. But the rest of us should get on, get on with our lives and accept the risk. Um, and I'm not sure that's what he was saying. And I've heard quite a few people say that. I've kind of thought to myself also, just because I don't feel like I don't know loads about it. I'm not going to pretend I know loads about it, but I'm skeptical that a effective vaccine is going to be available at any point in the near future. And well, when it does become available, it's going to take a long time for it to be rolled out anyway, if it does become available. Uh-huh. So if, if we, we think, okay, what are we in now? May 2020. Imagine like in 12 months time, there's still no vaccine. We're not, there's no way we'll say lockdown until then. I think we just have to get on with things yeah. without endangering people in vulnerable groups. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, I think, well, uh, that brings us to kind of like the topic we wanted to discuss in light of these strange corona times. I think, yeah, just talking about like mental health and mental well-being, not mm-hmm. just for like, just for the, like, um, the times of this COVID-19 outbreak, but in general. So I guess uh, my first question to you, Key, would be like, how would you think that you've been coping so far with everything? 
and have there have there been any notable changes for you? Um, I feel in general I've dealt with it well. I have the I think I was saying to you the other day I have like the odd day where I do feel a bit down, mm-hmm. um, but for the most part I've been staying in contact with people, which has been a huge help. Uh, whether that's why WhatsApp or Zoom, just keeping in touch with friends and family. Um, exercise really helps as well, but the exercise has been uh, very patchy <laughs> during this time. Mm-hmm. Not that it's great anyway. Um, and just trying to keep myself busy, keep myself entertained. So it's mainly stable, but there will be some times where I do come kind of crashing down and you can't think of a way to um, get out of it. And the mental health seems to be tied into a lack of motivation to do anything kind of productive, I guess. Yeah. How have you been finding it? Um, I've been okay for the most part. So particularly in this like coronavirus times, I've really tried hard to be more positive, to kind of be optimistic. Um, look at it being <clears throat> the glass half full. So instead of like me focusing on like all the things that I can't do, how shit it is, how basically like I'm feeling like a pending lion. Mm. I've been trying to focus on like things that I can be grateful for or things that are positive. For instance, I still have a job that I, that I, that I do um, that allows me some time to go out and be on, uh, be on, like be out and about. I still uh-huh. have like a steady income coming in that's like not going to, like not really going to fluctuate. So that's, gonna, um, so that's, uh, that's good. Um, this time had allowed me to do some artwork that I think I've spoken about on another podcast. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so it's just, like I said, yeah, I'm just trying, so most of the time I try to just stick, like, try and be positive, try and be more optimistic about it. That obviously doesn't work um, a lot, of my, like, all of the time. Um, mm-hmm. I, like, Today, like I went out today just for a bit, but having to come back home again and like to sit in the house was um was hard. And I remember when it was Easter time, when it was like we had the bank holiday, so um we had a Friday and the Monday off, and that was yeah. in peak peak lockdown, so we couldn't go anywhere. Um, I remember that being like particularly hard because like I, I wanted to be outside I wanted to be doing stuff and I just had to like literally like to sit and watch like better just watch just like the, um, the days roll around again so yeah really tough I think it's going to be particularly difficult for people like you and well, anyone who is quite sociable uh-huh. um, and if you don't like if you're not a fan of being cooped up at home either uh-huh. I'm I don't know, I'm, I'm quite happy in my own company. Obviously not constantly. Sometimes you need a break and you want to go and see people. Um, yeah. But my, my usual Monday to Friday routine, I'm usually at home anyway in the daytime and then I go to work at night. Um, but I agree with what you're saying, that when I have been out for exercise or just to have a walk or something, it feel, it, you get a nice like rush of happiness because you're out in the fresh air and you, it kind of feels like you're back to normal. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as you get back home, it's like, okay, back into the lockdown routine. It's like, um, it's like fleeting, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You get with it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's been hard. Um, I've had, I think, a period of, like, higher anxiety, kind of. Already? Like, yeah, so um, anxiety is a thing that I've kind of, that's coming to my life. Well, notably coming to my life in the last two years or so. And mm-hmm. now, so before this lockdown started, 
it was definitely still a presence, but it was like it had gotten to like I think like gotten quite manageable, mm-hmm. and it hadn't like I don't think it had like that much an effect on my day to day. Whereas now I think obviously because we're just at home, we're just like left to our own devices basically. When you start having like thoughts that are like negative or are not conducive thoughts to like doing anything productive they tend to fester don't they because like all you have is time to ruminate on them yeah so um so yeah so that's uh, that's kind of been a bit tough um i've like have you heard of the headspace app rings a bell but no what's it about it's basically an app for meditation so okay. um, it, 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 like, there are like different like courses you can do and each one takes you through like a guided meditation I've been trying to do that so I can like teach myself like to switch off and to like not engage with like with anxiety as much as I would have done before I'm not sure that's, um, Sorry. that sounds good I might look into the Headspace app Headspace yeah and a good thing about it is that um, of that meditation, I think, I mean, I'm no expert on it at all, but I think it's like Far East, kind of like Buddhist principles, but yeah. that one is like completely secular, so it doesn't talk about spirituality or like, or anything like that. It just teaches you like how to, like just breathing exercises, just ways mm-hmm. that you can like just be, I don't know, just be in your own space, in your own mind and not be distracted by anything. Basically. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard, like I said, it's hard to gauge kind of like how, how successful it's been. Because like I said, I have good days and bad days. But I think that is, I think meditation is a skill and that's a skill that I'm trying to like improve upon. It's not something, it's not something I've looked into much in the past. I used to live with a guy who was proper into it. Mm-hmm. And he used to talk about going on meditation retreats and stuff like that. Yeah. Where... There was, I think there was, there was one he, he was talking about where during the course of, of well, well, during the course of the course, you wouldn't speak to anyone. Yeah. Like, no conversation. Like, you can't, like, relieve yourself sexually. It would just be meditation, mm-hmm. eating and sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I'll be interested to try that, actually, the headspace out that you, that you mentioned that. Yeah. How is, um, you know, you were saying people have more time on their hands, right? yeah. and with yourself that might lead to anxiety. What I've seen is that, especially on Twitter, that people are saying that when people have more time in their hands, it means that social media is sometimes becoming a bit more toxic. It's very, well, Twitter in particular. How has your engagement been with social media during this time, and has, has that impacted your well-being at all, do you think? That's a hard one, actually. I'm, I'm not sure I would say any more than usual. Um, mm-hmm. social media itself like I have an interesting like I, have an, I think we all have an interesting relationship with it in terms of our mental health but for mm-hmm. me cause I think Twitter isn't, bad, isn't as bad for my mental health as Instagram is alright okay. yeah I think um, I'm affected more by Instagram than by, than by Twitter so I wouldn't say that it's like I feel more affected by it probably the same to be honest with you but yeah I just see I think especially on like on Instagram as mentioned, I think we've mentioned it before that like a lot of it's very like image obsessed, like image conscious. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, especially on like like uh, gay like um gay Instagrammers, 
Um, all image, yeah. Yeah, mm. like um, constant, like, topless photos, constant, like, body photos, constant, like, reminders of, like, there's, like, a standard it needs to be. It does have, like, it does have an effect. It does have an effect on me. And that ties in, I guess that ties into mental health as well. Maybe not so much anxiety, but these, mm-hmm. these feelings that, like, I need to do something else. I need to train harder or do something else so I can be, like, this quote-unquote desirable person. That's why all going through my like not not like at the forefront, but it's always there on the background somewhere when I'm when I'm looking at this. Interesting. Um so my relationship with Instagram, I feel like once upon a time I used to feel the pressure to look a certain way. Um but during lockdown I I do usual scrolling and I find out a variety of different accounts. But when you see the fitness ones and people with perfect bodies, I think I'm at a stage now where I think, oh, that's nice. And then I think, oh, at some point I might try and do that. Then I'll just go and all this and take away immediately yeah. afterwards. <laughs> so it's kind of, um, it kind of doesn't phase me as much now. Um, yeah. But I think I was saying to you the other day, there's, there's a, in a way, because I know that we're not really going to have a sociable summer, I feel, mm-hmm. I don't feel the pressure to, to look a certain way. Well, for now, I think I'm just delaying it. Um, I would say Instagram is taking up a lot of my time. And that in itself is is maybe sort of the, the detrimental part of it. I'm just spending too much time on there. That mm-hmm. I think at one time I only got through everybody's story that I follow. Usually yeah, I never get through everyone's story. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I just I just kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Um, I would say with Twitter, as I touched on earlier, people have mentioned it's become a more toxic place with more free. But everyone's got more time to yeah. get their thoughts out there. Yeah, and I think Twitter's another one where it's um, the time alone that I've spent on there is bad. Mm-hmm. But the apps mainly for you know, well, I use it for mainly people discussing social issues, which isn't always uh, sunshine and rainbows, of course. Yeah, but it's sometimes maybe it's just that you get a bit a bit too sucked into it because it, is, it can be quite a negative place, and sometimes it turns. There's a bit of like. Um, sort of tribalism, people are ganging up on one oh, particular 100%. person. Yeah, on Twitter especially. Yeah. And I've always been more of a, more of a spectator. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as tempted as I am to get involved sometimes, but I think even if I, if I start getting involved in something, it's going to use up even more of my time. I've, um, I'm working on it now, and I'm trying to spend less time away from, like, from screens in general. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really hard and, to do now in these times though that, it's, it's difficult like, but for me I've really possible. it is but I'm, I'm trying to work on it because I, I kind of pointed out in, to myself that it's from about 2015 is, that's when so I, I've had a smartphone from 2011 and the first few years I had a smartphone I spent lots of time on it but I felt I'd balance things out but from about around 2015 that's when I stopped reading and all my time was spent on the phone a lot and I'm trying to sort of uh, balance that out now mm-hmm. so when I'm spending too much time on Twitter now I'm, I'm just putting my phone down and I'm doing something that doesn't involve me on the phone and you should the most obvious thing to do in that situation is just to start reading something yeah um, and it's helping it'll be interesting to see if, if we can keep this up once things are back to normal once I'm going outside the house to go to work if that happens or, or when I'm back at work essentially mm-hmm. so um what I wanted to ask you is that, like, how would you describe your mental health before we went into this um, this lockdown? So, like, do you, I, I um, get the feeling that you're not the person who actually thinks about something like things like that. 
Um, I think about it, but then I sweep it under the rug. That's 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 be the process. <laughs> so what did you say it again? Sorry. I think about it, but then I sweep it under the rug. That tends to be. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm self-aware of nothing else. Um, <laughs> so for me, um, I'll go for different phases. So the most recent phase I would describe it as the one between January, beginning of the year, up until about lockdown. Um, I was spending most, I wasn't going to the gym, I wasn't exercising or anything. I, I work nights usually. So during the daytime, I would just be in the flat, just wasting time on Twitter or be watching porn or be watching TV or something like that. And I'd go to work in the evening, uh, smash out my target and come home. And sometimes I'd be sleeping lots and lots where you're not getting enough sunlight, you yeah. know, seasonal affective disorder, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't going out so much at weekends mm-hmm. because it's cold, it's winter, and I kind of think, oh, from spring to summer, that's when you want to be partying and stuff. And if I did go out, it might just be to someone's house or something and then back home. Mm-hmm. So I think I was actually not in a great place uh, for the few months before lockdown. Mm-hmm. I was coping with it, so I, d- I didn't feel like, you know, I didn't feel like I was at any kind of breaking point. But then I knew at the time, even though I was trying to ignore it, I knew that, you know, this isn't really a healthy state of being. Mm-hmm. I need to get out there more, I need to socialise more, I need to spend more time just physically outside in the sunlight and mm-hmm. in the fresh air. Mm-hmm. Um, with lockdown, even though I've not been going out, I feel like because I've had more time, I haven't had to worry about sort of hitting target at work or anything like that, and I've just had time to just chill. Mm-hmm. I actually, ironically, I feel, I think I'm in a better place mentally in lockdown than I was when I was at work. Oh, really? And it's weird because I think it's more, it's more the routines that I set for myself because my actual job isn't particularly stressful. But it's just the fact that you have a target to aim for. That's what keeps you kind of ticking over all the time, thinking about work when you're not at work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's been my experience, I guess. Um, I still think there are cobwebs that need to be cleared out in my head. And I think I was talking to you before that I, I definitely could benefit from seeing a therapist for about a variety of issues. Yeah. But... Um, but yeah, so I feel kind of stable in mental health now, but aware, but wary that it could slip back to what it was if I kind of don't put plans into place to combat it. Yeah. Have you, like, how seriously have you thought about, like, potentially seeing a therapist? Not seriously enough, really. Um, the ideals first put into my head, when we went to um, the Black Men Who Brunch event in December, yeah, I spoke to a few guys there who had mentioned that they'd gone to therapists, and it was so casual how they dropped into the conversation, mm-hmm. which made me realize that it's actually made me realize that it's actually completely normal. Um, yeah. Like, I don't think there's much of a taboo. There's not as much of a taboo around it these days. It's more of a case of oh, you just, you do it because it's uh, it's like self care, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've thought about it in passing. I've not done any research into who I could see. Yeah. Um, or where to start from. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's something I do need to do. Also as well, um, I guess with lockdown, it wouldn't be hard to get a therapy sorted because they must be doing Zoom calls and Skype. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd imagine they will be. But you know, like, there's one thing, there's one thing saying that like, I want like, or oh, I should see a therapist or I'd like to see someone or something. But they mm. literally, like, I feel like there's a world, there's so many types of therapy that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, like I don't want to name them all or or whatever. Like yeah, so I think I think like if you like seriously like I think are considering it, I definitely think it's something that's worth looking into. But like I said, there are different types of therapy that you can go for. 
and mm-hmm. I think that like a lot of like a lot of the progress you make is if you can talk to someone and you build like a rapport with them you like there's someone that you can get along with enough that you can open yourself up to to like look at things or talk about things that you wouldn't usually do you have to kind of shop around do you think the therapist to definitely, see that you um, definitely yeah. Good, <laughs> yeah I say that yeah I say that uh-huh. I've, I've never shopped around for one so I've I've had like little bits of therapy here or there I wouldn't mm-hmm. say like over they're like been in like bursts so I've had like a couple of sessions here a couple of sessions there but I've never had one that like I've seen for like an extended period of time but if I was going to do that, then I for, so, I for sure would. Like, I think that like, you want to tell, you want to talk to someone who can, like, you think can understand the experiences that you're trying to talk about, that you're trying to discuss. Huh. So now that you mentioned having, now that you mentioned that, um, I've seen before on Twitter, especially on Black Twitter. I feel a bit weird calling it Black Twitter on the podcast, but it, it's Black Twitter. Yeah. But <laughs> <for> people <laughs> discussing that, um, and saying that, um. They've considered sort of only going to a black therapist as a black person because there might be things. Well, quite of the quite clearly, they're going to be things they want to talk about, which are so like central to their identity. Yeah, that, yeah. that another black person is going to be able to see it, but someone else wouldn't necessarily see. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's something to consider. It depends on one one why I guess I want to speak about, but ultimately you're going to want to speak to someone that you feel comfortable with. And mm-hmm. for me, especially if you open yourself up and be, make yourself vulnerable, it's yeah. probably going to be a black person, I guess. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'll yeah. say with that, and this is just me, and maybe it's like my own prejudice is coming out, and I for sure would want to see, if like, um, for a therapist, I'd want to see a black person for sure. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, because obviously, like, my, my, my queerness is so intrinsic to who I am, and probably to things I'd want to talk about. And I, mm-hmm. would, I would like, I would be a bit apprehensive that they would have an issue with like me being like so candid about like my life as a gay man because like of the experiences mm-hmm. I've had before, especially with black people of like a certain age, like of like a generation above ours. If that's one, that, if that's one you choose to go to, I guess yeah. At the same time, I would imagine that. Um... They've probably heard it all before, though. You know, like I think mm. you might be surprised in the stories they've already heard. I guess. Yeah. Um, certainly, if you're with someone who was below a certain age, you probably wouldn't have to worry about that at all. Um, yeah. But uh, it depends. I don't. I would imagine your standard therapist is equipped to talk about a range of topics. Um, it's really something you need to look into. I'm actually kind of excited about looking into it, though. I guess, which is which is a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think. I don't have a feeling of apprehension about going to see someone for therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I'm seeing it more as like a self-help and I think it might be quite fun, I guess. I'm sure there'll be like good moments and bad moments. But um, the yeah. aim is, is, a, is a worthy one. So um, in my experience, um, after, so we have the sessions let's say they last for 50 minutes mine the ones that i had last for 50 minutes and you go you talk about like what it is that you want to talk about it talk about and then mm-hmm. afterwards like um most of the time you like you know that they say like feelings of catharsis of like just cathartic just like getting something getting this stuff out mm. is like um is quite an indescribable feeling I guess um, the closest one is like, you know, when people say like, oh, like a weight has been lifted 
obviously mm. it feels a bit like that and usually like when you're speaking to a therapist you're saying stuff that you may never said to anybody else before and i think yeah, oh, yeah, yeah there is like uh, there is some like some there is something in that um i'm not sure how that it's something i probably a bit indescribable about it mm. but i think maybe sorry yeah. you go I don't know, it's interesting you say that because I guess there'll be things that I end up mentioning to the therapist that I haven't said to anyone before. I've probably thought them many times. Mm-hmm. But thinking something sort of in the back of your head mm-hmm. and discussing it like freely. Yeah. Um, kind of found, it's like, it seems terrifying, but in a good way. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and remember, like, when you do, like, if, if and when you do go, let's say, if you saw a therapist, you're in front of them. This person you're paying, or if you if you go private, you're you're paying them to be like an impartial person. So to, mm-hmm. listen, to your, so to listen to what you have to say and to give you like an objective, like objective point of view on it, and mm-hmm. that sometimes helps because they don't have, or they at least should not be putting their prejudices on what they say to you. Yeah, which um, can be yeah, like I said, I don't want to like I don't want to use like superlatives or anything like transformative life-changing <laughs> yeah <laughs> eye-opening yeah <laughs> but um what i do think uh, can help like i said i myself i've been on and off since 2018 has it always been the same person or different people it's been different people so um the first time i went um i saw one guy and I went um, after the end of, after my relationship had broken down. You know, mm-hmm. the um, one with like, my ex for about three years. After yeah. that relationship broke down, I went to see someone there just to, uh, just to, talk, just to talk about that. But um, mm-hmm. for me, it was not sustainable. Um, it's like, it's like 50 pounds a session. So it is like, it's a commitment. Oof. Yeah. How long is the session? An hour, is it? It's about an hour. Mine was about 15 yeah. minutes, but... I right. guess like, whoever it is who is conducting the session will have their own have their own time. Yeah. So yeah, so I saw I saw him about that, and I I I, I recommended you shop around, but I actually didn't shop around at all. Like there was one, there was a place that was right next to uh, where I lived, like literally down the road, take a right, and there it was. So it was so yeah. convenient, and I didn't tell anyone about it. I didn't tell anyone at all that I seen that. Uh, I've still seen a therapist. I kept that completely to myself. So I thought mm-hmm. the easiest way for me to do this is just to, just to go down the road, just to have a session with this guy and then come out and not the end. Yeah. So um, I did that. Yeah, I did that for four sessions. I decided I couldn't afford it after that. Then I um, stopped, going, stopped going to see him. And then things like fucking... <laughs> things like... Started spiraling out of control. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I've told I mean, I've told you already, Kieran, so you already know. But I was in it was on the second, I think it was the second of September of twenty eighteen, when I witnessed a suicide in a suicide by train, and that's when like that's when my mental health really really started declining. Mm. So at the time. That um, that had happened. That suicide by train had happened. I'd ended that three-year relationship. I started seeing somebody else, and that that weekend before, uh, he was saying that like 
I can't really date you because you're in the closet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that suicide by train happened. And when it happened, I like just decided to act as if nothing had happened. So I mm. still went to work. I didn't take any time off. I just like went about my daily life as if like nothing had happened. Mm. And then um, one day I um, was research. It was so it's fucking so weird. I was researching like HIV and the symptoms of HIV of like HIV, what they would be. And um, yeah, so as soon as I did that, I was like super, 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 like hyper, hyper aware of it. Mm. And then um, I remember, so this was a span of about a month or so. And then, so from the 2nd of December to about the 9th of October, on the 9th of October, I ended up getting like a really bad, I don't to this day, I can't describe what it is, but it's like a flu. Um, I was like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't even, I couldn't walk down the road without me, like, being in floods of sweat. Yeah. Um, I could not concentrate at work. Um, I couldn't sleep at night. Um, I remember I'd wake up with, like, with pretty bad night sweats, like, my sheets would be soaked, and my mm. heart would be just, like, in complete palpitations, like, going crazy, like, mm. every day. I got, um, I got like a slight rash on like the side of my neck here. Yeah. Um, and I got like the most intense dry mouth that I've ever had before. Um, that like, um, I remember like I had like a lip sauce I used to use like constantly. Um, How long did this go on for? What's the sort of fever you're having, right? Ages. It went on for ages. Wow. Um, so if the first day was October the 9th, and I, I know it was that day because I was supposed to go to the BFI. It was like Black History Month, something for that. And I yeah. was leaving to go to the toilet because like, I just didn't feel right. So it was from that day until like, I'd say like after Christmas that year, like after Christmas and beyond, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, I had no idea that it went on for that long. Yeah, it went on for ages. So... At the time, I think because I had researched HIV and mm. so the symptoms I had were the match, basically, like what the fever you get when you see... When you first contracted and you yeah. get, so get a flu, I, yeah. Yeah, so I'd convinced myself that I, had, that I had HIV. I was completely, utterly convinced that I had it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to... Um, yeah, I went to get tested... Um, I so yeah, I've done try to remember the timeline. I went to get tested, mm. and um, that one came back negative. Hold on, no, that was it. Yeah, so about so about three weeks after like my last sexual like sexual contact, um, mm. I went to get tested for HIV, and um, you're supposed to wait four weeks um to the like, for the fourth generation test to show if it's if it's got the um the antigen Any antibodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And I was like to the doctor, like I need to have the test now, basically. <laughs> like I wanna have it yeah. now. And I was saying that like, I've got like a whole host of symptoms and I wrote them all down to her and there was literally like a page of symptoms. And she looked at them and she said to me that like you don't have HIV, you have anxiety. Mm. And then she was like, has anything happened in your life that has like made you feel this way? 
and at that time, the suicide by training stuff was not even not even on my radar. So I didn't even like I, I didn't even say anything about it because I just forgotten about it. Mm. And she was like, "If I give you this test now, do not come back because you don't have it. Basically, you don't have HIV. Don't come back." So I took the test. It came back negative, and like I was okay for a bit, but then like days later, the the, the uh, my symptoms didn't that didn't stop. So yeah. I went back again and again. I think in that three months period, I had about maybe about six tests, about six HIV tests. Oh my god! All of so them. Just convinced that. Convinced yeah. that every time you'd taken a test, you might it something something would develop after you'd taken mm-hmm. the test or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that in my mind, I was thinking like it basically it's only a matter of time until you until you get it. So if it's not now, it's going to be next week. And then I'd wait for next week to come. And then take another test. They think that I had. The thing that I had. Were you, um, were you sexually active during that time or not at all? Not or? really. Like yeah. So mm. after I took the test the first time, I did. I was not sexually active at all after that. Mm. So I thought I had HIV, so <laughs> I couldn't be. Sexually so you, yeah. Um. So yeah. So I just tried to carry on living my life. Like I said, like my work productivity was going was just going down. I remember, like, I was staying up really late. I was, like, my drinking, my uh, alcohol drinking had gone through the roof. Yeah. And stuff. Um, I'd gotten into, like, a few arguments with, like, the guy that I was seeing at the time. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember one day that, like, I really lost my temper. And that never, that never happens with me. And then that was, like, basically a wake-up call. And that's what led me going to the going to the, the the same therapist the second time around. Mm-hmm. I basically just like laying everything out to him there. Like I hadn't told anyone in my circle at all about my yeah. uh, about my me thinking I had HIV. I'd kept it like solely to myself. I'd called like um, you know the Terence Higgins Trust. I've heard them, yeah. Yeah, the based for charity that uh, that works with like sexual health. HIV mm. in particular, I'd called them two times. I'd even phoned Samaritans um, for someone to talk to. Really? Mm-hmm. Are they just are they just suicide specific, or is it just it's not suicide, anyone like, in need? If, if you need to talk to someone, basically. Right. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, I called the, I called them one. I called them once. It was just like a really, really, really dark time. So I went back to um, back to the um, that therapist that time. And I talked to him basically about um, about everything about me thinking I've got like at the time I still thought I had H I still thought I had HIV for so me saying yeah. that I think I have HIV and that and everything that had happened and like obviously the person is not supposed to be judgmental or whatever but after I'd had that um, that after each session I feel a bit better like I said I feel like that weight had been lifted a little bit. It was yeah. like it made it easier to kind of like to to go throughout the rest of the week, knowing that I could go there again and like take another load off, so to speak. Mm. So yeah, that was the sec- that was the second <laughs> the second time. Um, I ended up having two more rounds of uh, two more rounds of therapy. Mm. Um, one was um so after i think after my second negative hiv test i um referred myself mental health mm-hmm. 
and um, they basically, yeah, I did that in like at the end of October, and I, they put me on a waiting list, and I didn't get through to see someone until like April the next year. Can I just check? Sorry, so the the previous therapy you had um, had that all been private sector. Yeah, all the ones that you're paying for, right? Okay. Yeah, so I'd I'd sort them out. It was private. I paid money to see mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that was all. Well, that was completely private. Um. The CBT I had was on NHS, and that was to do specifically with the HIV and with the health anxiety that I built up to such an extreme level. Um. By by that time. Sorry, was that CBD? Is in the oil? CBT. Um. Cognitive behavior CBT. therapy. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Okay. I misheard you. Um, yeah. So CBD. <laughs> no, because I've, I've heard people use it for, like for medicinal purposes. Yeah, I just wondered. To be like yeah. therapeutic. Yeah. So I yeah, I just I, wondered. I, I've not I've not come across anyone who's had it before, so I was, I was interested to know what it was like. But yeah. So, no, yeah, yeah. I've never had it. <laughs> yeah, but um, CBT is just literally trying to change the way that you think. Yeah. And it was. It's not like conventional therapy where you sit down and you tell people your problems. You literally mm. like go in, like go into like um, your pattern of behavior, your pattern of thinking, and try to like eliminate each one, basically. And mm. um, you do it like systematic. I did like systematically, like over a number of weeks, mm. until it done. But yeah, and so that was like literally like the third instance. <laughs> and then um, earlier that year, I went to so basically. Um, I told work what had happened and um, they'd arranged me to see an occupational, occupational health therapist, occupational health yeah. therapist, like yeah. um, to tell me, like to see if I'm fit, to fit for work because I really wasn't doing a good job at all. Mm. And on that, she asked me to recount what happened on the day of the suicide by train. And I had just the biggest breakdown ever. So, like, um, it was, like, it's actually quite funny now, but I was, like, laughing, I was, like, crying, I was, like, describing it. It was really bad. And so, um, work, they, like, they, like, work with a place that you can get a therapist for, that you get, like, a, a fixed number of sessions. So, it did mm-hmm. that. So, all in all, I've had, like, like four, like, four rounds of, like, little bursts of therapy here or there. Yeah, it was quite a bit of experience, to be fair. In fact, it's been with different people. Yeah. It gives you a good insight into the process, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Really interesting. I would recommend, like I said, I would recommend shopping around for one, for sure. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's like therapy, I don't want to say it's a luxury, but if you're paying for it, then it has to have like a start and an end date. So I feel like it's good if you have like a goal of like how you want to be or something you want to achieve or mm. anything like that. So you can measure how you're doing after each one. Um, would be helpful would be helpful for me anyway I guess yeah I think um, I don't know I'd probably have to speak to more people who have done it but I guess there's you'll get people who will go to therapy because they're going through maybe a rough patch or it's because of directly because of an event that's happened Mm -hmm. or people that will be going just for I don't say general maintenance but they just feel like they could use therapy nothing Nothing sort of poignant happened recently or anything. They just feel like they could benefit from it, which is the category I would fall into, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that even the like, even like the person who feels like fine and nothing wrong, I feel like they even 
none with no mental like mental health issues at all would still benefit from therapy. At the end mm. of the day, it's just a chance for you to get like just a, just another way, like, a person who's objective to have a look at like your thinking and feeling and try and give you suggestions mm. the way that you can propagate better like better practices and better thoughts that will help you in your own like whatever you want to do. Yeah, it came up in my in my mind actually. Um, I've told you about Queenie, haven't I? Yeah. Um, by Candice Carter Williams. Mm-hmm. So, so it's so if anyone doesn't know, it's a novel that came out last year, um, and it's about sort of black girl in mid twenties and her love life and her work life, um, and without giving too much away, but she ends up going to therapy sort of towards the end of the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that part was really well researched um, because it seems so realistic, like the things that they would just they discussed with, that she discussed with her therapist mm-hmm. um, and the process of it and what you know and taking through and sort of having follow-up appointments and given and she was given like um exercises to do that would help her cope and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it kind of just brought it to, to my mind again um about how useful it could be yeah um, yeah, it's something I need to look definitely need to look into. Um, For sure. I'm feeling I'm feeling like positive about it rather than apprehensive. That's good. No, that's um, that's a good attitude to have. And remember, like us being black queer people, allegedly according to research, we're more likely to have like mental like not well being. So it says like there were lots of studies who said so. So I think for us, like the idea of like therapy and like talking about it, destigmatizing it, and whatever is particularly important. Mm-hmm. And I know in like, especially with like, with black people, with black men, I think the stigma is changing slightly now, but I don't think it's changing. Yeah. Fast. I don't think it's changing quickly enough. Yeah, the stigma is that, oh, we don't talk about. In fact, actually the novel was mentioned that is one of the themes that do there, because it's um, mm-hmm. strong Caribbean influence in that it's just not the done thing to talk about mental health. It's just, it's not a thing you just, you shut up about it, just get on with yeah. it, tough it out. Um, it's interesting. Like, um, I, I say that, I don't think I even told my dad that I was seeing a therapist, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know. Why do you mention your dad specifically? Um, I told my mum. Oh, right, you told me that. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, don't think I, I don't think I told him that I, was, that, I was, that I was seeing someone. I mean, I guess it's one of the things, it's one of the things you don't really have to tell anyone, I guess, unless it's someone who's sort of responsible for your work, like directly for your well-being and um, Mm-hmm. He's looking after you, I guess. But I think it's I think it's one thing that it's not unhealthy to keep it to yourself and just between you and the therapist. So yeah. from my perspective, I guess. Right. I think though hmm, I think it I would I do agree with that, but when it's like someone who's so close to you and when it's with like I don't know, like your well being. I feel like the, that that is someone that that my dad is someone that I think I would want I would want to know. I'd want to just help. want them to be aware that you're that you're going through something and that yeah and that yeah yeah that you're seeking help and okay yeah yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, like none of the men in my family on either side, none of them are good at um are good at asking for help. To one of you, I think mm. that's probably something that's um that's been passed down, definitely been passed down to me. I think it's it's a heavy male thing in general, isn't it? It's like not talking about your feelings and you know manning up, toughening it out, mm-hmm. just getting on with it, taking it on the chin. It's just it only it works to a certain extent, but but after that, it just fails miserably, doesn't it? I guess. It does, yeah, it really does. Oh, all right. So, yeah, 
So um, we've spoken a lot about obviously like mental health struggles that we've had, but like, mm. do you uh, like? Is there anything that you do that kind of I don't know helps like helps your mental health or helps you feel better, especially like now that we're all locked down. In the content, yeah. So I would say, for me, sleeping pattern. So I've done I've worked nights for over two years. So my sleeping pattern, well, if you can call it a pattern, it's just all over the place. Now that I've been off work, I've gradually gone back to a day, normal day shift pattern, and that lets me get as much sunlight as possible. Mm-hmm. The sunlight, fresh air, even if I can't leave the flat, I'll make sure I open the window, get some fresh air. Um, if I'm feeling really motivated, then some, um, some exercise yeah. always helps. Mm-hmm. Even if it's 10 minutes, always yeah. helps and lifts the mood up. Um, I think watching TV, but not to excess, because that's when it, that, I think if I watch too much TV, it has a detrimental effect on me. Mm-hmm. And again, along the theme of moderation, like some social media um, mm-hmm. in moderation and just keeping in touch with friends and family, really. Yeah. Um, I'm quite fortunate that I live by myself and I've got space um, and whatnot. I think maybe if you live with other people, you might be a bit claustrophobic. Then I would say just a case of getting out when you can safely mm-hmm. um, and finding some time to, you know, enjoy your own company, I guess. Mm-hmm. How about you, Anthony? Yeah, I agree with that. I think, um, especially in these, like in times like this, when I feel like everybody's in a state of flux, basically. Mm-hmm. So I think um, the only thing I could say is that it's probably good to if we like do the basics. So um, when I first started the lockdown, I was like going to bed at whatever time, wake up whatever time, like just going just just going a bit just going a bit crazy, a bit mad. Now I'm trying to like get a good amount of sleep get into a routine, try to go to bed and wake up at virtually the same time, um, mm-hmm. have like three meals a day, have a shower and get, and like actually, so like, even though I'm in the house, I'm like up and I'm doing something. I'm not yeah. in, like, a, like a constant state of just like being in sweatpants. Mm-hmm. I think utilizing the hours um, exercise that you can get a day, even just to have a walk around, just to get some fresh air, stretch your legs, um, works wonders. And I do think that, like, now, if um, trying to um, have your support system, like, look out for each other, uh, have video chats, have a laugh with your friends, speak to family members is more important now. Um, if you are in, like, if you are feeling a type of way, often it can be that lots of sort of people that can kind of, you can tell, and they can try and kind of help you, like, help you feel a bit more positive or give you a, bit, a different spin on things. Or it does purely give you a distraction from your own thoughts, which sometimes can be all you need. So definitely, like, where possible, um, is to have like, a support system. And obviously, there are um, there are um, charities agencies out there that you can you can turn to if you need to. I mentioned going to Samaritans once myself. Um, there's LGBT Switchboard that we featured on a on a podcast before. There are these things out there. There'll be more subscribed now, but there's no there's no reason why that you like yourself can't can't do it, can't um can't use them if you need to. It's what it's what it's there for. There we are. But yes. Right, so um for this week's spotlight, we're doing something a bit different. Um we watched a film, didn't we, Key? We did watch a film. Uh, that was sourced by me. 
um, the movie was called Tangerine, a uh, 2015 film by director Sean Baker. Um, it follows, I guess you'd say, what, two transgender women, one in particular, who's just, come mm-hmm. out, just been released from prison and found out that her boyfriend, who also happens to be her pimp, has been cheating on her. Yeah. And then the whole, the base of the whole film, just like, he's just about her it's, trying to find him. It's set over the course of a day, isn't it, Zorn? Well, I think day, about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It's set in Los Angeles and it's on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact it's on Christmas Eve isn't That's too, relevant. too relevant. Yeah. yeah. Like a tiny bit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say off the bat, I saw this, um, I was looking for sort of good LGBT films to watch or recommended ones. Came across this one. I didn't think, didn't have any uh, big thoughts before it. I will say, and you probably the same thought as me, that I was apprehensive after watching the opening scene. I kept thinking, what a, you know, this can be a very long 90 minutes ahead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, so I'd say, if you can stomach the acting, it does raise some interesting points, the film does. Um, how did you feel about it in, in a nutshell, what you say? <laughs> so I literally just, so I, I was just reading about it now, and it says that it was shot on an iPhone 5, the whole thing. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. That does like, make sense the whole, Yeah, the whole thing is low budget, but it's not the low budget aspect that lets it down, it's more the acting and... Well, just made it acting, I guess, really. It gets, I will say it gets better as it goes along. The second half is definitely stronger than the first half. Mm-hmm. If I just see the second half in isolation, I think I'd have a much more favourable opinion of it. Yeah. Um, but it seems a bit amateurish, the start of it does. Yeah. I'll say a minute. I mean, um, it's certainly, like, from the very beginning of the film, you can tell that it's, like, it's, it's not a high budget. It's, like, um, it's a low-budget film. When I first started, when I first started watching it, I I, I thought I'm gonna hate this movie mm-hmm. because um, the acting is very hammy, and not a lot really happens in the first like in the first half of it. See, it's mainly is it what's her name? Is it Sid? Is her name Sydney? Cindy. 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 Yeah. C- yeah. C- Cindy. S I N dash D W E. Cindy. Mm-hmm. So it's her. She well, her, her I can't remember her friend, but her main her best friend lets slip to her that her her boyfriend's been cheating during the twenty eight days that she's been in prison, mm-hmm. and she goes on a massive well, a wild goose chase trying to find the bitch she as she keeps referring to her. Um, mm-hmm. The first twenty minutes is full of so much like um, like your stereotypical slang that you'd find in like the like the black trans community, for example. Mm-hmm. It's like they're really trying to shove it into the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's her marching around, a bit deranged, just shouting about how she's going to find the bitch and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Um, then it settles down. So essentially, these two women, they're prostitutes as well, aren't they? Yeah, um, yeah. I get the feeling they might be homeless, but it's not really clarified during it. But they, you know, they're basically living towards the edge of the line, essentially. Yeah, for sure, yeah. They're like, they're, well, I mean, they're transgender women, so they're already in a marginalised community. But they're mm-hmm. poor, they're like, very poor um, transgender sex workers, which yeah. is, uh, puts them, um, and I think that is yeah, that is like made clear from the very beginning as well. Mm. One thing that I will say that is good about the movie that I'm thinking about now is that like 
it kind of like it's not like their work their life is not glamorized at all but it's not demonized it's just like it's just it, you feel like it's just a complete normal day as wild as it is as like especially like mm. their final act of the movie is the events leading up to that kind of makes it seem as if it's just like literally like, just a normal day that they're having um, I think so. The, yeah, because there weren't. I, th- I thought everything that happened in it seemed like it could happen in real life. It didn't feel like mm-hmm. an exaggeration. Yeah. Um, yeah. I quite liked the aspect of bringing in. And I think we'll do. We're not really doing spoilers, are we? In case people want to watch it. I think. Um, yeah. I mean, we've got, had a few spoilers already. Well, there have been. There's been nothing like major. Um, yeah. On or at least I don't think it is anyway. But there's the Armenian. Or there's a a taxi driver who is. He's one of the frequent clients of um, other different sex workers, and he is a bit of a scumbag. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's shown in the movie. I think it's safe to say that. Um, but it shows that he, well, he has a strong family conne- family connection. All his family is from Armenia, mm-hmm. and he is married, has a kid, and he's sort of leading a double life. So he's a taxi driver, but during his days where he's out and about doing jobs, in between those jobs. He'll meet up with the different sex workers and, and pay them for sex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but this is this keeps well. This is kept on on the hush for the time yeah. being, anyway. Yeah. But um, yeah, because I think that one of the things about it is like one of the not the main character Cindy, but the other one. I think it's like Alexandra or Alexandra. What's the name? I think it's Alex. Yeah, I think. Like, yeah. They say her name a few times, but it went over my head each time. But yeah, the, yeah, her best friend. Her best friend. Yeah, I think like one of the scenes when she like goes into the car to do the job with that guy. Like, oh was, right, yeah, yeah. There was nothing leading up to that. There was nothing to um, to make us think that like she's out going to do like going to like to get a client. It was just very mm. like it was just very out of the blue. But then I kind of, that kind of, I think that is a, a really good part. A really good. Uh, part of the movie because it just showed it's like just a part of their lives that like they'll be walking mm. out one day and they'll be doing whatever but like then they'll actually like go out and work and find clients that they can they can do their work with whatever so yeah, yeah in, I think that was interesting like I said I feel like when you see like sex work in Hollywood movies it's mm. just a bit like it's, it's just a bit too much like a bit too over stylized it's a bit theatrical, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, like you always see, like you always see them, like it was like fe- like fishnet tights on, and with like feather boas or something like that. Yeah, always like some mincing towards the car and be like, you know, how about it, lads, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I felt like the women that are in the film, you could quite easily stumble into one of them on a night out, <laughs> and like the conversation, the conversations they were having and stuff like it. It felt fairly realistic. So, I felt like this film. Had a lot of potential, and like I said, the fact it was low budget isn't what let it down. It's just, it's just the acting in the beginning. Um, after a while, I kind of settled into it. Um, yeah. I would say it's an interesting watch. There were some moments because it is a comedy, isn't it? There was there are a few moments where I felt like we're kind of more laughing at them rather than with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I'm glad I watched it, and I think it just I think in my in my mind it just kind of exposed that how few. Films featuring transgender people there are around. To mm-hmm. be fair, mm-hmm. that's true. That's what kind of yeah. hit home with me. That's true. Um, I can't remember what's the odd thing here and there. Have you ever seen all about my mother by any chance? Spanish film. I've never even heard of it. No. 
Uh, it's, it's fairly well known, but it's, it's, it's a Spanish film, isn't it? But, um, I think that's from the late 90s. But apart from that, I can't really think of any films, films on the top of my head that like, have a that prominently feature transgender character. I can't think of any. But I can think of TV shows, but I can't think of any yeah, movies. Yeah, and when I think TV shows, all I think of it is Pose off the top of my head, and other than that, I can't. There's Orange is the New Black that has a transgender, that has Laverne. Oh, Laverne, yeah, I've never watched that, but I know about her, but I haven't watched the actual show, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like that's like, that is like very heavy. Well, in the first season, she has like an episode that like deals with like the transgender issue. So mm-hmm. there's that one. There's an actress called Candice Kane. And she's a transgender actress, and she was in a show called um, Dirty Sexy Money. And the show, mm. the show itself was trash, but like she, <laughs> <laughs> like it's so trash that it's not worth talking about. But she's like the first person who's been like an actually like open, like actual transgender woman playing a transgender mm. role. But there is yeah. like another one that was by, it has, I can't remember what it's called now. With um, Jeffrey Tambor, um, he was in Arrested Development, and he plays a transgender woman, but he's actually a cisgender man. Right. Um, I'm trying. I'm just literally searching it now. Transparent. It's called. Transparent. Really inventive title, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But like I said, it's um, it's by a cisgender man playing um, playing a transgender woman. Yeah, I think what what. What I would like to do is um, try and gauge or try and get a response from anyone who's listening of any films they'd like to watch or review. Mm-hmm. Um, to maybe help point in the right direction to, to find quality stuff. Um, I've learned that I can't really re- I can't really um, rely too much on the official reviews of any anything you watch because a lot of times it'll be, it'll be lauded and you'll actually hate it. Yeah. A lot of the times it will have quite average reviews, but you'll quite like it. What was like what was your overall like lasting impression on this movie on Tangerine? Uh, I wouldn't. I, I don't think I could, in good faith, recommend it for someone to watch. I think no. Tell a lie. It's interesting to watch, and I think it. I think it's interesting due to the issues it covers and and the aspects of life of mm-hmm. those women that it shows. Mm-hmm. But as I think the, the start of it lets it down in that first thirty minutes. If you just watch the first thirty minutes, you think it was just an absolute shite film, wouldn't you? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it, like I said, I warmed to it as it went along. Yeah, it's just a shame that the the, fir- the beginning is so weak. What was your impression overall? I'm trying to think now, and I think because like when I was searching it, I did see like so many like really great reviews for it. I haven't read them, so it's making me think like should I like is, like try like twisting my opinion a bit. I agree. Do with- you sorry go? So do you feel that the fact that it was you know it's people make a point that it was filmed on an iPhone 5 that's low budget. Do you think people take that into account when they give it good reviews because they kind of feel like it's done well despite the adversity? Because I, I just looked at it as it's a film, do I like it or not? Because mm-hmm. I, like I said, low budget doesn't necessarily mean low quality by any means. But, yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. I think it does make a slight difference to me. It explains why the world had that, like, that filter on, mm-hmm. uh, in it like, throughout the whole movie. I thought that was like a stylistic choice that they'd made. Maybe, maybe yeah. it was, maybe it wasn't. But because I don't think that my uh, before, it's, I really have, I think I have mixed, yeah, mixed feelings about it. There are some really good, really good things about it. Mm-hmm. It does normalize the life of a transgender person. I feel 
Um, he, like I said, he is marginalised. I think it does do that. And it doesn't, like, because mm-hmm. these women, they have, like, tough lives. They um, they do sex work. They, uh, they have to, yeah. Yeah, and they, um, some of them, like, deal with, like, drug addiction and stuff and, like, just really, like, awful stuff that they have to uh, have to put up with. But, like I said, it, they, I don't think a point is made about it. Yeah, I think, for me, what made the film is just the, um, is a subject matter it covers. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's I think it's an important film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say it's a great film, but I'm I'm glad I watched it. If I if I'd given up after 30 minutes, I would not be saying this, but I'm I'm glad I did watch it. So um, I think it's yeah. I think it's a worthwhile watch if you can stomach some of the crap acting. But um, yeah, yeah, it, it it does get the acting does get better over time. Mm. I'd say that. Yeah. So, but no, I I agree. Yeah, it, it, it is worth worthwhile. So I would recommend people watched it. I just, um, I don't know. I think it's one of those films that someone else could watch and they'll feel it fantastic. I think it's definitely interesting. It, it should have been mm. made. I think it leaves an impression, but I, I don't, I'm not going to say that I loved it. I won't say, I don't think I can say that about it. No, no. That'll be honest, I guess. Um, it's available on 4OD. Um, oh, yes, it is. Um, or, no, it's if not, you want... It's called All Four now, isn't it? It's the, all um, Four, three, sorry. Yeah, all Four. Rebranded. <laughs> um, and you can, if you want to buy it, you can buy it off Amazon Prime for one ninety nine. if you'd like to, uh, if you want mm-hmm. to actually own a copy of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's two, two viewing options there. And that's yeah. Tangerine, Tangerine uh, by Sean Baker. Yes, so that's, um, that's another, another episode down, another one in the bag. Um, we're Black Boy Joy. Um, we're available on pretty much all good streaming platforms, so Spotify, Google uh, Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Um, we can follow us on Instagram at um, Black Boy Joy Podcast, and um, Twitter is Black Boy Joy Pod. Um, if you are an Apple Pod our podcast listener, um, we would be really grateful if you could leave a review for us. Hopefully, a glowing one. Um, that'd be um, that'd be <laughs> really appreciated. Um, and if you have any questions, comments, anything like that, you can email us at um, blackboyjoypodcast at gmail.com. But yeah, if um, there's nothing else to say, um, I'm ready to wrap. Anything you want to say, Kieran? No, I think that's everything. Uh, I'd say, uh, as ever, we always welcome feedback. Mm-hmm. And we particularly welcome any recommendations of subjects you want us to cover or any maybe any films you might want us to watch, any TV shows that you might want us to discuss as well. Yeah, constructive cri- constructive criticism is like we what we we want we want it need it. We uh, we, we we drink it in. <laughs> exactly, you, you won't offend us. Trust me. Um. <laughs> so yeah, if anybody does, please right. like, feel free to uh, message us, DM us. We have our private Instagrams um, on the main Black Boy Joy page. Uh, you can message us there if you want to, so you can reach us if you need to. But for now, that's another week. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Yeah, stay safe. Don't go mad with the, with the East lockdown. Yes, <laughs> don't go crazy. <laughs>